Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. Hey, y'all. Feeling good? Turn to the person beside you and say, you look good. I mean, really, look again and say, you look really good. You might, want to, you might want to say, what you doing at the church? <clears throat> uh, the next campaign uh, has been, it's been phenomenal. It really has. Uh, I don't know that Jonathan shared this with you. Uh, actually, last month, uh, we took in another $20,000. So now we have over $100,000 that we have in the bank. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? You're kind of clapping for yourself. So I think you want to do a better job, right? Say, woo! We're awesome. All right, so we're in this series called uh, One Another, in case you, this is your first Sunday, and uh, we're learning how to do life with another person. And today, today we're going to talk about how to do one another, how to do life with another friend. Believe it or not, in spite of all the criticisms and critiques, um, that come with Facebook, and there are a lot, and it seems like that we as preachers probably, uh, a lot of pastors I hear, we probably do more at critiquing and criticizing Facebook than anybody I know, but regardless of all of that, I think that Facebook is evidence that people are actually looking for friendship. <clears throat> I think they're looking for community. I think that you are looking for community. I think you're looking for community, however, without that face-to-face interaction, right? And so, you know what? You just want to know that everybody on Facebook kind of approves of your post and your pics, and they think that you're really cool. And so here's what I think makes Facebook safe. <clears throat> it's safe because there's no, really, there's no real inflection in a voice. There's no look on somebody's face, Right? And so they say, I like you, that was a great post, that, that's a great pick, whatever it might be, all there are, they're just words, you know, or there's the two thumbs up, but you don't really have that, that inflection. And with inflection, you know, sometimes we've been known to kind of lie to each other, have we not? Somebody might look at you and say, man, I love that new haircut you got. When the look on their face says, what were you thinking? <clears throat> Who told you that looked good? Who told you that that would look good on you at your age? All those things that maybe are going through somebody's mind. But on Facebook, somebody just gives you a two thumbs up. They tell you that they like that pic, right? It's easy doing uh, one with another on Facebook. If you like my post and you give give me a two thumbs up and you're considered to be one of the uh, smartest people on planet Earth. But if you dislike me, then you're just another nut on the internet and I can defriend you, right? Yeah. In spite of all that craziness, though. And it is crazy. Facebook is absolutely crazy. Can I hear just an amen or an oh me or something? It is. It's abs- the things that people put on Facebook. 
I don't care that you just went to the bathroom. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying. In spite of all the craziness, I think that people are looking for some type of community because the truth of it is, is that we is that having the right friends around you can make all the difference in the world. In fact, I would say this. I would say that if you show me your friends, I will show you your future. Show me the group. Show me the people that you hang with. And I think I can show you your future. King Solomon, thousands of years ago, said it like this in Proverbs 13. He said, walk with the wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harms. And they say the Bible's hard to understand. I don't think that's difficult to understand. I don't think you need to know the Hebrew, right? You, you, don't, you don't need to know all of the definitions of every word. I think it's, it's pretty plain what it means. My, my mama used to say it like this. She said, son, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. She wasn't quite King Solomon, but I think she was pretty close. In other words, if you hang with people that are wiser than you, then chances are you're going to be wiser, smarter than you, if they have better marriages than you, if they're better with money than you, if they're better leaders than you are, if they eat better than you're eating, if they're in better shape than you are, then chances are really good that you're going to be better. You may even rise to their level or you may surpass that person. If you hang out with a bunch of idiots, you're just going to be another idiot. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you want to get sober, man, I love recovery. I love recovery ministry. It, it, there are so many practical sayings that just make sense. So if you want to get sober, you want to change your playgrounds and you, yeah. It just makes sense. It's, it's, it's common sense. And yet it comes from Solomon. And I will say that we're all looking for some type of community because that's what we've been created for. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a, a helper suitable for him. So we were created for community. That's the thing inside of you. And if there's something that lacks, mostly it's hurt, that will, that will cause you to build walls around you. Because what you long for is to do life at a very intimate level with another human being. And when I say intimate, I'm not talking about just husband, wife. I'm not talking about a sexual relationship. But I'm talking about the kind of intimacy that we all long for, a place that we, can, that we can know and that we can be known, a place that we can spill all of our junk and be loved in spite of. We've been created to serve people lavishly. We were made to share the stuff that we have unselfishly. We were made to do life with people that you can trust with your deepest hurts. Don't you just want to have somebody to maybe step up to you sometimes and just say, are you okay? And then, and then when you say, yeah, I'm good, everything's fine, 
For that person to care enough, to be able to go beyond your words, but to look into your eyes, to see the, the expression on your face, don't you long for somebody to say, you know what, i got to be honest, that's not what I see. Please, are you okay? What can I do for you? We want people that we can laugh with, people that we can cry with, pray with. We were made. We were created by God himself to do life with other people at a very intimate level. So if friends are important, if they have such a powerful influence on my life, then I guess I better choose my, my friends carefully. Again, the writer of Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says this, the righteous, the righteous choose their friends carefully. In the words of a, of a wise old pastor, he said this, he says, you need to know the kind of fish that are in the pond you're fishing in. Let that sink in. Are you non-fishing kind of people? So I'm just saying that if you wanted to catch a saltwater fish, you wouldn't go to a freshwater pond. You wouldn't go to Lake Hartwell and think that you were going to catch a grouper or a shark. You, you just wouldn't do that. You would never cross your mind. You would think, I'm in the wrong kind of water. Then you need to understand the fish that are in the pond that you're fishing in. When you're fishing for friends. Not long ago I was talking to a young lady who was extremely uh, disappointed with the men in her life. And uh, she, and she and I were talking and so we were processing. She talked about this one and she talked about that one and how she always seemed to pick the same kind of, the same kind of men. So I asked her, I asked her, I said, well, what kind of pond are you fishing in? Of course, that didn't make a lot of sense to her. I said, well, here's the thing. If this is the kind of pond you're fishing in, don't be surprised if this is the kind of fish that you catch. I'm just saying that you're, if you're fishing in a bar, don't be surprised if you catch a drunk. Hello, y'all out there? Now, am I saying that everybody that goes to a bar is drunk? Of course not. Some good people go to bars. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> you don't know what to say with that, do you? Amen? Oh, me? You're not sure. Does everyone go to a bar drunk? Of course not. No more than I would say that everybody that goes to Pizza Inn is an overeater. But when you're in Pizza Inn, you can look around and see a few overeaters. Right? I'm just saying that you need to know the kind of pond that you're fishing in. The Bible actually talks about some people that you need to avoid as your closest friends. So when you're looking around for friends, I think it's important to, to know some characteristics or some things to avoid. And the Bible says that you need to avoid lazy people. You need to avoid lazy people. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you... Brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. Wow. In my notes, literally, I said, a lot of pastors need to read that verse. You know what I'm talking about? Preachers or moochers. Are we not as a whole? 
I mean, you know, we want to go to lunch and we feel like it's your responsibility to take care of the man of God. <clears throat> so we, we just assume, like when the check comes, we have to go to the bathroom. I, I don't know. I mean, one of the things that's always irritated me over the years is how pastors and church staff people can be that way. And our staff knows that nothing irritates me more than for a pastor looking for a free handout. You know why? Because what I feel like that we should be is setting the tone for being givers, not takers. Come on, somebody say amen. Thank you. He says, on the contrary, we work night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. And we did this not because we don't have the right to such help. So it was a part of the Mosaic Law that if you were a, if you were a, a, a priest, if you were a a pastor, then you should be paid for doing such. But he said, I don't want to do anything. Although I need to be paid, although I could be paid, I deserve to be paid. I don't want to do anything. But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate, for even when we were with you, uh, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. I've used that verse on more occasions than you can possibly imagine. So don't have lazy people as your closest friends. The second group of people that you need uh, to avoid as close friends are angry people. You need to avoid angry people. Proverbs 22, 24. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. And then there's a host of others as well that are listed in 1 Corinthians 5. This is what he says. He says, wrote to you, in my letter, not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now, here's what I want you to make sure, because as Christians, it's easy for us to read this and become very judgmental. That's not the point. So notice what he says. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, then you'd have to leave the world. I'm not writing you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slander or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. In other words, this is what he's saying. Don't expect a non-Christian to act like a Christian. And why is it that we do that? Why is it that we as Christians stand in judgment of other people and go, oh, I can't believe he did that. I've often said, what would you expect? They don't follow Jesus. They're not following the ways of Jesus. They're not following the, the lifestyle of Jesus. They're, they're, they're not looking to have the heart of Jesus. They never claim to have the heart of Jesus. Why in the world do you want to hold those people to a standard that they've never claimed? The thing of it is, is that we judge non-Christians and we hold them to a standard. We expect certain things from them, and yet we look at other folks that are a part of the body of Christ and we have no expectations. Why is that? So what do we do with these lazy, angry people? Well, that's easy. We just look down our self-righteous nose and say, I'm out, Girl Scout. Find you somebody else to hang out with. Right? That's, that's what we do. That's what, really, that's what the Bible teaches. Well, of course not. See, the Bible actually says that we're to, that we're to love each other. And so don't read that verse and, and don't become confused. It's out of humility. It's out of humility that 
you don't, you don't have these people as your closest friends if that's their predominant lifestyle because, because you know that you're weak and that you could easily fall into the same sin. Are you following me? Is this making sense? It's not about being self-righteous. It's not about looking down your self-righteous nose at somebody else and judging another person. Actually, it's, it's being humble. It's saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not as strong. I'm not all that. I'm afraid that if I put myself in a, in a certain situation, I'm afraid that the temptation to do what the crowd's doing, to do what these people are doing, it will be greater than, than I can stand. And so what I have to do is I've got to learn to remove myself from that, not out of being judgmental of those people, but out of humility. Out of saying, I'm no better than you. I hope that makes sense. Likewise, there are some, there are some kinds of people that you should choose. And the Bible's pretty plain about those as well. So there's some people that you want to avoid, and there's some people that you want to choose. And one of those people that you want to choose, you want to choose people that, that stimulate you mentally. Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 13, 20, we've already looked at that verse. I want to just go over it again. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harms. Friends are a part of your education. I'm just saying that you want to have a group of people around you that stimulate you, that challenge you, that push you, that motivate you, that bring out the best in you. That's what growth groups should be. It should be about a, a group of uh, a fallible people coming together, being able to share their junk with each other, to be able to say, I'm not perfect, I need your help, and then to be able to have a group of people that, that rally around you, that give you a, a verse of Scripture that say, you know what, I've struggled there too. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I've done to find strength in this situation. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to connect with a few other people, to surround yourself with the kind of people that will challenge you and stimulate you. You need people that will also support you emotionally. Proverbs 17, 17. Man, I've been quoting this verse for so many years. A friend loves at all times. A brother, a brother is born for a time of adversity. I've been saying it for years. A friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else walks out. Man, I've experienced that in my life. I have the, I have the beautiful story of, of, of friends in my life. and I have tragic stories as well of, of things that happened and people walked out and people abandoned me. I, I went through my first 12-step study. One of the things that I discovered was I was in recovery for fear. It was the fear of abandonment. It wasn't just fear, but it was the fear of abandonment that everybody that was close to me, I lost. I lost my dad at an early age and that set a precedence for me. And what I learned as I look back over my life, that all of the people that told me that they loved me at some point, it seems like most of them walked out. But I also have the story of people that stayed when everybody else walked out. Friends are with you when the going gets tough. Friends will stay with you through thick and thin. Friends will stay with you whether they agree with you or disagree with you. Galatians 6, 2 says, Carry each other, 
carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. A third group of people that I need to look for in my life is to be my closest friends or people that are going to strengthen me spiritually. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. I need people around me who will lovingly confront me with truth. Absolutely, hands down, no doubt about it. In fact, I have literally over the years strategically put on certain teams in this church people that I knew would disagree with me. People that I, I one, one guy, I love him and I would say, you know what, he's always going to be the devil's advocate. He's always going to give us five reasons why we shouldn't. If everybody else is in agreement, he, he will be the guy. And he will just push us. And you need those people in your life. But let me say this. I also desperately need people who will encourage me with words of affirmation and confirmation when I actually get something right. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This may shock you, but uh, I haven't always been the most self-confident person in the world. <laughs> I've read this statement, I don't know how many times over the last few weeks, even this week as I read it over any time, I thought, this may shock you, I've not always been. I think sometimes I still struggle. Like that was in the past, that somehow I used to struggle, and I don't struggle as much anymore. There's still some days because the devil knows where to attack me. Uh, am I the only one, or... You, you, God know, uh, the, the devil knows where to attack you as well, and because he does, sometimes he sets me up. Sometimes I doubt myself. Sometimes I wonder, did I, did I make the right decision? I think I made the right decision. I'm pretty sure I made the right decision. I think I made the right decision. I wonder if I made the right decision. Am I doing the right thing? I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm pretty sure I'm doing the right thing. I'm confident that I'm doing the right thing. I think. I'm sure that none of you probably ever struggle with doubt. But in their times of self-doubt, you know what? I need people that come along beside me, and I have those people in my life I'm so grateful for. That will look at me and say, man, I believe in you. I've had people look at me and say, you know what? I believe in you. I, I believe in you. I've had people to walk along beside me and to say, you know what? Not only do I believe in you, but I can... I can show affirmation and confirmation because there's, we have Scripture. You're, you're following the Word. You're doing exactly what God has, has led you to do, what God is leading us to do. And, and I need those people in my life when I, when I doubt, when I'm confused, when I begin to waver sometimes in my faith, that I have people that will surround me and say, man, I believe in you. We have the Word to back us up. Things don't look good right now. Do you hear those songs that we sang just a few moments ago? Sometimes I am surrounded. You know, I, sometimes I'm surrounded by... By confusion, sometimes I'm, I'm surrounded by doubt, sometimes I am surrounded by naysayers, and what I need are some people in my life that will speak truth in a loving way to encourage me. When I get it right, sometimes I just need to be a, patted on the back. Doesn't that sound wimpy? I think in church what we've learned is Constructive criticism. And here's, here's my point. Here's, I just want to 
just make sure you understand that confirmation and affirmation is as important as constructive criticism. Those are the people that you need in your life. Man, you're doing a great job. You've come a long way. Good for you. I'm so proud of you. So you might be wondering, okay, that's cool. I've got these, I'd love to have those people in my life. I don't have those people in my life. I'd love to have those people in my life. So what do I do to attract that kind of friend? I'm sure there's a lot of ways, but let me close with one. To have a friend, you need to be a friend. To have a friend, you need to be a friend. Proverbs 18.1, unfriendly people care only about themselves. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Selfishness is a guarantee for loneliness. If you just look out for old number one, if you're only concerned about your needs, your aches, your pains, your desires, your goals, then you're just not going to have a lot of friends. In fact, what I would say is, are you even looking for friends or are you just looking for servants? Because there's a difference. Will, will your closest friends serve you? Well, absolutely. But sometimes when we're on an all-out search for good friends, we just want to find people that will meet our needs, that will take care of me. So are you looking for a friend or are you looking just for a servant? Okay, my go-to passage. Philippians 2 reads like this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one Spirit and of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So in your relationships with each other, Paul says, I want you to have the same mindset as Jesus. Now, as we just read that, what thought popped into your head? I can tell you what thought every single time pops into my head. Well, I ain't Jesus. That's what usually pops into my head. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Jesus, so how in the world am I ever going to be able to, to love like he loves? How, how will I ever be able to, to love people in a perfect way when I'm an imperfect person? How can I do that? Well, the truth of it is you can't do it on your own. That's why we need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus if you're a husband and you want to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You can't do it on your own. That's why when you're looking at a friend who's broken, whose life is falling apart, and honestly, if you look at it, you would think, you know what, most of this is your own fault. How do you love somebody like that? I don't know of any way to love that 
apart from. Jesus literally loving that person through you, that you can overflow with his love. That's why spiritual growth is so important. We can't do this on our own. And, and Springwell's doing it pretty well, by the way. I've had comments just in the last couple of weeks I'm so proud of. A lady told me this week, um, she said, wow, man, your people, your people love really, really well. A lady told me this morning, out in the foyer, she said, wow, your people love so well. And that's not because we're great people. Okay, we're pretty, we're pretty all that. It's not because we're great people, it's because we're humble people. You understand? It's about humility. It's because we understand that we, we can't on our own. That's why our relationship with Jesus is so critical. So as a follower of Jesus, uh, how is your relationship with, with God? How much time are you spending with Him every day? How much time are you just, you just, just hanging out with Jesus? Just allowing His Word to speak to you. Just in a prayer time that you finally just shut up and say, God, just speak. How much time do you just spend allowing God to speak to you? So as a follower of Jesus, how are you doing with the friend thing? Maybe some of you would just have to admit, you know what, I've been fishing in the wrong pond. And it's not arrogance. It's not being self-righteous. If you have that attitude, if you're just looking at people going, I can't hang out with those, then you missed it. But it's saying, you know what, I will love you to the best of my ability, but I have to surround myself with the kind of people that can encourage me in my walk with Jesus. That can tell me when I'm wrong and love me and affirm and confirm when I'm right. People that will challenge me. People that will be by my side. So let me just ask you, are you fishing in the right pond? Or maybe one of the reasons that you don't have some of the friends that you need is because honestly, you're just not a very good friend. The truth of it is, there's nothing really attractive in the way you treat other people. You're looking for a servant, not a friend. In order to have friends, you have to be a friend. So how has God spoke to you this morning? How has He challenged you? So if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe right now you just need to stop right there and just bow your head and say, God, help me get this right. Because you know what? Friends are critically important. Show me your closest friends and I'll show you your future. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know that relationships are just better with Jesus in your life. They just are. It's because we learn how to love each other from watching as He loves us and how He loves us. I find myself often praying for my family the same way that I, I've looked back over the years and I say, God, if you'll, just, if you'll protect Karen and Emily and Kay the way you've always protected me, wow. God, you know what? If you, if you would just love them the way you've always loved me, because you've loved me unconditionally, you've never left me. 
You were a friend that would stick closer than a brother. You promised that you would never leave me nor forsake me. And you know what? Regardless of all of my sinful stupidity, you never left me. Wow. Relationships are better with Jesus as a part of them. The God of this universe is a relational God. So much so that uh, he didn't send a letter. He didn't send a messenger. He sent his son. Who was without sin to become sin. For us on the cross. To die and to be raised from the dead. So that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus can be forgiven. If you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus. Somehow God is speaking to you right now. And you know that you need Him in your life. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you just pray a prayer something like this. You say, Heavenly Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I know I'm a sinner. I need you to make me brand new. To cleanse me. Thank you for forgiveness, but I want you to be a part of my life. From this day forward, I want to serve you. I want to learn to walk with you. And out of the overflow of my walk with you, as I learn how you love me, I want to love others the way you've loved me. Father, you are amazing. We love you, Lord. Thank you that, uh, God, you know, serving. Lord, thank you that being a follower of Jesus is more than just showing up at church on Sunday. It's doing life with you on Monday and Tuesday, and Lord, doing life with you in such a way that you overflow in us and spill out on the people that are around you, God. You enhance it make beautiful the relationships that we have in our lives, Lord, allowing us to be able to love the unlovable. So we just want to honor you and praise you. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.